0: both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Hewitt-Mills.
1: Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills is the wife of Bishop Doug Heward-Mills, founder, United Denomination, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, UDOLGC. She is an attorney by profession and currently serves as a full-time minister, heading the Compassion Ministry, overseeing the Young People's Church, pastoral care, and several duties at the Kadesh Family Church, under the covering of her husband, Bishop Doug. Having been born again from the age of nine, she has been used by the Lord to speak his unadulterated word on both local and international stages to all categories of people, be it men, ladies and children, and on the plethora of subjects. Episcopal Sister Adelaide is the proprietor of the St. Adelaide School and the St. Elizabeth Home orphanage. She is a mother and a grandmother. Ladies and gentlemen, Episcopal Sister I lead Hewitt Mills.
2: Hallelujah. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, we are gathered unto no one but unto you. We come into your presence and we hallow your presence with us. Father, we pray, let your will be done today. Minister your word through this vessel that you have chosen. Let your purposes and your divine plan unfold now. Father, I ask for grace. I ask for unction. I ask for anointing to do your will. Let bondages be broken. Let the balm of Gilead be here. And let the light of your gospel and the entrance of your word bring light. Thank you for the anointing on this clay of, vessel of clay. And thank you that you are here to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please take your seats. Hallelujah. It's a joy to be here, but also a surprise to be here. Like your lady pastor said, "Ah, today is not a particularly easy day for us because it comes on the heels of our meeting at the Independence Square, which ends beyond midnight. But your lady pastor is a woman of faith. (laughs) And actually, because of the process, I've even learned more about faith from here. Just this experience has taught me that I should keep knocking till the door opens. Lady Phyllis, I celebrate you. Amen. I also want to appreciate all the great women of God here Mama Francisca, Apostle Lorraine, Pastor Funke, and of course the bulldozer, Mama Christy Dotete. <laughs> Amen. And all of you, all protocol observed, I may not have seen everybody, but I appreciate your presence here. Amen. Amen. I'm sure that we all know that my duty this afternoon is to speak to the theme the unsatisfied woman and her lot in life. And my take was who is the unsatisfied woman. Who is the unsatisfied woman? And I pray that by the grace of God, I will bring God's heart to his people. Amen. Now, I want to say that as I looked at the topic, I was looking at it from many perspectives because the unsatisfied woman in her lot in life. What does it mean to be unsatisfied? It means to be a discontented woman, frustrated, unhappy, disappointed, disgruntled, fed up, unfulfilled, displeased, ungratified, disillusioned to be the unsatisfied woman. Amen. On the other hand, the flip side is that the unsatisfied woman is the woman who fights mediocrity, the woman who doesn't settle for less, and the woman who wants to be all that God wants her to be. Amen. So in these few minutes, I hope that the Holy Spirit will help us all. Amen. So as we read this, disillusioned, unfulfilled, sometimes you can be unfulfilled by the things, because of the things happening around you. You know, you want to fulfill your mission, you want to bring all that God has for you. But first of all, I want to talk about it from the angle of discontentment. Amen discontentment. Now the Bible says in Luke 12 verse 15, he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Amen. Now covetousness is the inward desire of the heart to long for to scheme and to put forth any effort to acquire things that belong to others. Amen ladies. So I want us first of all to look at certain key women. Now that does not mean that being unsatisfied or discontent or which leads to covetousness is only a woman's problem. It doesn't mean that. But this morning my mandate is to speak to ladies. So that is why it will be skewed in our direction. Amen. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis. Are you there? Genesis is the first book of the Bible. If you don't know the books of the Bible, as a Christian woman, but you know where to get Brazilian hair and lace, you've missed the point. Amen. <laughs> Amen, ladies. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea And over the beds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Amen. Amen. And then when we look at Genesis, so keep that in mind that God said, Let us make man in our own image. It is said that He was talking to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So there was some collaboration there, and He said, Let us make man. In our image, in the image of God. And let us also give man dominion over everything around him. Amen? So God made male and female in his image. Now when you read Genesis 5 verse 1. Genesis 5 verse 1. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Now, for some people to say, oh, it's man and it's not woman. I had to read this verse because verse 2 says, Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Amen. So God made them male and female. So when God was saying, let us make man in our image, he was also talking about woman. Amen. Amen. Now, some people may say, oh, but that's Old Testament, lady reverend. The the New Testament doesn't talk about us being made in the image of God. So I quickly want to take you to, or I could read it, Ephesians 424. And put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God. Created how? After the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Amen. So, Lady Reverend, where are you taking us to? Genesis chapter 3, verse (laughs) 6. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It talks about the devil coming to tempt Eve. And saying, has God really said you should not eat of this fruit? And the woman says, yes, God did not actually say, but God said that, you know, we can eat of everything, but it's not, we are not to touch a certain tree, okay? Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God that know that in the day you eat thereof, Then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Amen. Many times, women are unsatisfied or dissatisfied because they don't open their eyes to what they already have. Now, Satan came and said that God knows that when you eat this fruit, you shall be like God. But they were already like God. Because in the image of God created he them. And God said, let us make man and woman in our own image. So God had not deprived Eve of anything. But Satan always would deceive us and say, you know, God doesn't want you to have this. You know, God doesn't want you to be like him. You know, God wants to shortchange you. And this is what leads to a lot of unsatisfied women. Because we don't open our eyes to see the reality of who God says we are in him. Now the Bible says when the woman saw that the fruit was pleasant. In verse 6, the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. Now, beloved, if you are created in the image of God. God is wisdom unto us. So, God will not withhold wisdom from you. But Satan will always twist it in a certain way. And because we are not looking at what God has made us. And reflecting his image. We fall for all these things. Now, the second thing is that. Satan said, oh, it will be good for you. And in verse 6, the woman is moved by her senses. When she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. (laughs) And a tree to be desired to make one wise. And also it was good for food. Then she fell for the bait. Amen. But when you look at Genesis chapter 2. So put this in mind. Pleasant to the eyes good for food, and a tree to be desired. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Okay? Are we there? And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow, what? Every tree that is pleasant to the sight. God had already made that provision. Before Genesis 3, 6, where Eve looked at the tree, and the Bible says it was pleasant to the eyes. God had already given her food that was pleasant to the eyes in verse 2, chapter 2. Amen? (laughs) Pleasant to the sight and good for food. Amen? God already planted a garden eastward in Eden. God already put man whom he had formed in it. And verse 9, verses 2, 9. Out of the ground, God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the eyes. And that is ple- and good for food. Amen. And yet, when Eve looked at the forbidden tree, the Bible says it was pleasant to her sight; It was good for food and to be desired. Open your eyes and see what God has made you. Open your eyes. And don't find your identity in other things. Don't find your identity in the things that happen to you. Don't find your identity in the man you are married to. Don't find your identity in your background like what my was saying. Don't find your identity in your academics. You may have degrees more than the thermometer. But that is not what defines you. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus and to good works, which God before ordained that you and I should walk in. But we've taken our eyes off the mirror. The Bible says, he that looketh in the law of liberty, and goeth away forgetting what he has seen. The Bible, the word is your mirror, not the mirror in your room. Not the mirror in your wardrobe, which says that beauty means your eyes must be this size. Beauty means your hips should be that side. Those are the standards of the world. And Paul said in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. The world likes to define us by what has happened to us. Even when God has done a miracle, they will still call you blind Bartimaeus. Even when the prodigal son, you come home, they still call you the prodigal son. Even when you are healed of the issue of blood, you are still called the woman with the issue of blood. Beloved, unless you see yourself in the law of liberty, you will be deceived by Satan. And you will crave for things that God already provided for you. Amen. It is my prayer that we will not fall into the trap of Eve. Amen somebody. So this is number one. We don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know the finished work of Christ on the cross. And therefore we look for things that don't satisfy. Thinking and hoping that when we get it we'll be satisfied. You want the latest car? When you get it in a few months, you see that your latest is late. And other cars are Porsche. And you keep following. And still, you will not be satisfied. Amen, somebody. Let us look into his word as our mirror. Have more mirrors in your room. That means more things about the word of God. You have a mirror in your wardrobe. You have a mirror in your bathroom. You have a mirror by your bedside. That mirror will not tell you who you are. But the mirror of his word, if you put it in the bathroom, you will put it in your bedroom, you will put it wherever you go, it will show you who you are. Amen. So the unsatisfied woman is the woman who is always looking outside. Looking for what God has already provided. And that leads her to be unsatisfied. Amen. Secondly, the unsatisfied woman is unthankful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. The unsatisfied woman is unthankful. Ask your friend, are you thankful? Some of you are saying, be thankful for what? (laughs) And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in the body, in one body. And be ye thankful. Beloved, peace reigns in our hearts, Only when we are thankful. That is why the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in one body. And then it gives a colon, a semicolon, which is to say, that is to say, be thou thankful. If Eve were thankful, it would have given her opportunity to see what God had done in her life. But many times we are busy Comparing ourselves with ourselves, which the Bible says is not wise. And because of that, we say, lady reverend, I have nothing to be thankful for. When I look at my life, lady reverend, there's nothing to thank God for. The unsatisfied woman is busy counting what she doesn't have. And therefore does not develop a thankful spirit. I remember so many years ago, maybe about 34 years ago, when I got married. And we were given an apartment in my father-in-law's hotel at the airport residential area. So that's where we began our married life. Now, as we're going along, at a point, my husband came to tell his father that God had called him. And therefore, after his house job, he would go into full-time ministry. My father-in-law was very displeased. Amen. And he wanted to deter us at all costs. So after a year or two of staying in his house, he sent us notice that he thinks it's because we don't pay electricity and because we don't pay water. That is why we are having these hallucinations and thinking that this is life, you know, So, he's serving us notice that he has rented the whole hotel out to a Vietnamese French woman. And, I mean, we just laughed. Oh, daddy, pa. But one day, I was home when there was a knock on my door. And when I opened, in walked my father-in-law with this Vietnamese woman. And he said to her, so this is the kitchen. And and this is the bedroom. And and, and this is the bathroom. And, (laughs) Well, before we got married, my mother-in-law had gone around with us wanting to buy a property for us, but everything we found, my husband said, it's far, it's far from, the mother would say, far from, where? far from church, we have to travel, whatever, which made us end up in the apartment. So when my father-in-law said that, we had to quickly go and look with my mother-in-law and find a place, and when we found the place... It was a good property, but it was uncompleted. So we had to work around the clock with all that we had, which was not so much, and uh, we had to move. So when we moved, there was red sand on the floor, on the floor of our living room and everything. And both he and I were not used to that. But we knew, especially in those days, that When you say yes to Jesus, you say no to everything. So I remember us walking into that house and the red sand on the sitting room floor and we knelt down and my husband raised his hands and said, God, in our 20s, you have given us a house of our own. We give you praise. We give you glory for what you have done. Because not many people come into this from their 20s. But oh, you have been good to us. And we give you thanks. Amen. (laughs) Beloved, I don't think I was super spiritual. But I could have looked at the sand. I could have looked at the windowless house. Which had been barred with uh, plywood. I could have looked at where I'm coming from and where he's coming from. But we knew in the midst of it that we could be thankful that God had done something. So it's not when all the chips fall in place. But if you can thank him for little mercies, the hymn hymn writer says, count your blessings, name them one by one. When you begin to focus on your blessing, when you begin to have a thankful spirit, that removes you from concentrating on things you think you do not have. Amen. Be thou thankful. Lady Reverend, what about when the situation is very bad? You see, some of you would never with your shadow have darkened the doorway of a charismatic church. But that bad marriage has brought you here. That bad marriage has humbled you. That bad marriage has led to salvation for you. You still have something to be thankful for. Amen, ladies. Turn to the person next to you and say, be thou thankful. thankful. And I pray that when it's five minutes to time, somebody should tell me because I just go off. I don't know how to look at the time. The unsatisfied woman has the illusion of what is on the other side. Amen. Every time you are looking over the neighbor's wall and you are saying, the grass is greener. (laughs) The grass is greener here. I wish I had this woman's husband. I wish I had her circumstances. I wish I had what she had. You want the glory, but you don't want the story. And that leads to you being an unsatisfied woman. So the unsatisfied woman is one with the illusion of what is on the other side. Amen. Come with me to Genesis 29. It's a popular story. Genesis 29. Are we there? (laughs) It's the famous story of Jacob who loved Rachel so much. In fact, from the day he met her, it was love at first sight. Often love at first sight is also love at first flight. Anyway, (laughs) it flies away quickly. But he lifted up his voice and was like, wow, I've met the woman of my dreams and all that. And then Laban drew a fast one and cheated him. Amen. Cheated him. But from verse 17, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said... I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Verse t- 20, and Jacob served seven years for Rachel, Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had for her. And Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife. And the rest is history because... He gave her, he gave him Leah and not Rachel. And Jacob was incensed about that. Verse 25, in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Then Laban said, oh, you know, the firstborn has to marry first and all that. Verse 28. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife. Verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel. And he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Amen. Amen. Now these are two sisters. One is tender eyed and maybe not so attractive. And also she didn't say she wanted to marry Jacob. And she didn't say it had to be by treachery and deception. She, she was sitting here somewhere. And before she knew this thing had been contracted. Now, the one who was loved from day one was Rachel. The one who was favored, according to the Bible, was Rachel. The one whom Jacob served for, and it seemed like a few years, was Rachel. So, Rachel should have known that, oh, I have it all. The love of a man, I I have it all. In spite of the fact that even he was strict to bury Leah, he came to serve Another seven years so that he could get me. And the Bible said Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. But Rachel was an unsatisfied woman. Can you believe that? <laughs> Amen? So when God saw that Leah was whatever, she, so Leah also knew that I'm not favored and I'm not liked but with these two women Rachel was the more dissatisfied or unsatisfied but Leah also thought that oh if I do A B C D E I will win Jacob's love so instead of concentrating on your destiny or what God wants to do for you because God just saw the situation and God said you are hated I'll give you children God intervened. But there was still that struggle, jealousy, competition of the unsatisfied woman. Let's first look at Leah. Verse 32. Leah conceived and bare a son. And she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. What Rachel had Leah was looking for. Now that I've had Reuben, my husband will love me. Rachel had Jacob's love, but she was not satisfied. We'll come back to it. Amen. And then now, even your naming ceremonies are all in a bit to compete with somebody. And in a bit to what you have, I want. And what I have, I don't recognize. So now, your firstborn son, you call him Reuben. And you say that God has given me a son. God has looked upon my affliction. So Leah was in affliction. And now therefore my husband will love me. It's still not happening. And she conceived again. She bare a son. Because the Lord has heard that I was hated. He has therefore given me this son also. Your whole life is based on what somebody else has what you will never have, and what God has given you something to compensate for. Amen, ladies. Amen. So every day we come for our daughter, and I say to every day we come for our <laughs> The Lord has said that I was hated. So she called him Simeon. And she conceived again. All this time, Rachel is not bearing. And she said, now this time, my husband will be joined unto me Because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. Amen. Amen. You would think that, oh, it's because the Levites were called by God. Or there was a destiny for them. No. That's not why. I have borne three sons. Therefore, I will be joined to my husband. He's your husband, but you are not joined. Verse 35. She conceived again. And she said, now I will praise the Lord. So we look at this and say, oh, Rachel finally got the memo. Oh, Rachel now finally understands. So when she came to a place of praise, she said, I'll call him Judah. But beloved, that's not the end of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 1, 30 30 verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. Rachel was loved. Rachel was favored. Rachel was preferred. But when she saw that I don't have children, she left what she had, which was the love of a man, the commitment of a man, and she went after something. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, she envied her sister. Meanwhile, your sister is afflicted. Your sister knows she's not joined to the man. She said, no, dear, the man will love me. Sometimes you can't have it all. But sometimes you have it all. And still, you have the illusion that when I have what Rachel, uh, Leah has, I will be happy. And Leah too says, when I have what Rachel has, I will be okay. And the contention continues. And Satan is happy. I pray that God will open our eyes. She said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. He said, Am I in God's stead? Who has withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? And she said, That's Rachel. Behold, my maid Bilha, go in unto her. So now maids have become part of the fight. (laughs) It's like dole dole, I must have a child. So she gave Bilhah to Jacob and Bilhah conceived verse 6 and Rachel said God has judged me about what and has also heard my voice and has given me a son therefore he shall be called Dan and then Bilhah conceived again a second son and Rachel said with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed And she called his name Naphtali. So all the names that they call in the house are all fights. Naphtali, Dan, Simeon, Levi. It's all a fight which comes from the unsatisfied woman. Amen, somebody. God is our helper, ladies. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had left Barry, now she can't give birth again, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, to wife. After I will praise the Lord. You see, you will come to a place of praise, but you will not stay there. You always have to look at the illusion on the other side and be unsatisfied. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Verse 11, Leah said, a troop cometh. And she called his name God. A troop, now it's army, military. (laughs) Mm. Verse 13, and Zopalius made bear Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. The illusion of what is on the other side. May we be delivered from that. Amen. Rachel was concentrating on what she didn't have, and therefore she didn't see of what she had. May that not be our story? Some of us, it's always competition. It's always fights. So you never even enjoy what God has given you. When you come to church, you see somebody's buy say, "Hey, she's holding a baking. I will buy one." Meanwhile, your pay does not reach baking. Amen. Hmm. Am I speaking to some people? <laughs> the unsatisfied woman expects a man to do what only God can do. You see what we read from Rachel, verse 31. She said to Jacob, "Give me children or else I die." Why? My mother tells me of a very dear friend of hers who was having childbirth complications. And then every time they spoke, she would say, even if I die, I prefer to die and have the child. And exactly that happened. She went into labor, she gave birth to the child, and she never came back home. Because the things we see. Give me children or else I die. And Jacob said to her, am I in God's stead?" Another verse, says, am I God? The unsatisfied woman makes men, mortal men, her God. Instead of the living God. And we expect things that mortal men cannot give us. So Jacob has to ask you, Rachel, why this behavior? I should give you children. I don't have that power. I'm not God. I have my limitations. Amen, ladies. And that is because we don't look to God. We don't look to the source of all things. We don't look to he who a thousand, a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills are his. The silver and the gold are his. Instead of going to ask God, oh God, you said that whatsoever I desire when I pray. I should believe. Lord, you know, I desire this. And I wish that you would give it to me. But when God does not even give it to you, you still know that God has a purpose for your life. Amen, somebody. Am I God? Am I in the stead of God, Rachel, to give you a child? I don't. When you look at Esther chapter 4 verse 11, Esther was queen... There was a, a fashion parade. She was chosen. She was favoured above all. Her wedding was a public holiday. You, your wedding, we go about our duties normal. <laughs> but Esther's one was a public wedding. And your wedding, you say, bring along this card because you are afraid that people will get crushed and your food will not reach. But this one, it was for so many days, over 127 provinces. And the Bible says that whatever you wanted, you could get. Every drink, every food, everything you named, you could get. That was Esther. The Bible says she found grace in God's sight. Now, when she entered the, the palace, what happened? Mordecai came and said, oh, you have to help. And Esther said, look here. There's protocol in this palace. And besides, I have not been called into the king's presence these 30 days. If you are looking for a man to satisfy all your needs and for 30 days... You have not seen him. He has not said a word to you. And because of that, you are going to mental hospital. You have put him in the stead of God. God has not created any human being, any wife, any husband, to satisfy all your needs. Then that person will become God. And he cannot share his glory with any. So why do you look for things in places where the person cannot do anything about it? Amen. Yes, you are queen. Yes, you are the most beautiful. Less you were chosen, but for 30 days you have not seen the king. Amen. Some of you will go mad. Some of you will become moody. Some of you will start crying. Now worry granny. I thought you said you wanted to be queen. You don't know what it takes to sit on that chair. And yet, you want that chair. God gives grace for what He calls you to. The Bible says He has called us according to His purpose and His grace. These two things, for every purpose, He will give you the grace. But where He hasn't called you and you want to be, beloved, you don't have the grace. grace. You see, when we were growing up, pastors were not popular to marry because they didn't have anything. <laughs> but now, when you look at pastors, they say, hey. <laughs> Ask me, I'm going to marry a pastor. Ask me, I want to marry a man of God. Well, it's a good desire. But are you prepared for a man who will go on crusades for two months and you will not see him? Can you? Or you start complaining. Eh, what? This? Six months? All this time? Every day? Church members? Every day? Prayer? Every day? Whatever? Because you see things on the surface, and you compare yourself with yourself, and you become an unsatisfied woman. Amen. Don't look for things in earthen vessels. Don't look for fulfillment in things that cannot give you that fulfillment. Rachel was loved, but still, her need could only be satisfied by Jehovah. Amen. Amen. When you look at the woman at the well, Jesus said, Yeah. You've spoken truly. John four nineteen, I believe. (laughs) What you have said, John John 2, no, no, that's first John. John four, right? Verse 19, I believe. Let me go there and see. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus said from verse 14 whosoever drinks this water I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him in him beloved the well is in you not outside it's not some well you are going to drink in you in you Christ in you the hope of glory that well is in you and that is why you must develop the inner man amen amen you eat three stodgy meals a day. And you give your spirit a cold snack. Amen. You, all your investment is on things that are not going anywhere. You need to be spiritual. <laughs> anyway. Whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Then the woman says to Jesus, say, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Then Jesus said to her, go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands and he whom now thou hast is not thy husband, number six. The no- husband number six. that thou sayest truly. This woman was unsatisfied and felt that relationships will solve her problem. And some of you are like that. You dated a footballer. After the footballer, you dated a businessman. After the businessman, you dated what? Musician. After the musician, you dated what? Help me. No, pastor is last. When your hope was finished. Then you said that maybe if I take the man of God, it will help. But beloved, God has not created any one person, as I said, to fulfill all your needs. You are looking for things that don't exist. Amen. The well is in you. The fulfillment is in you out of your belly shall flow, not somebody's belly, rivers of living water. Amen. This woman had been experimenting before she met Jesus. All these things we've said, musician, IT consultant, marine, oh, pilot, and his own architect, lawyer, doctor, engineer, What? Actor A. (laughs) And it's all not working. And Jesus says, I can give you water that will make you not unsatisfied. I can give you water that can be fulfilling to you. But how many of us even believe it? How many of us, because of that belief, nurture our spirit man or try to be closer to God? The Bible says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. So if you don't draw near, He also can't draw near. Amen? Amen? And many of us are looking for things that cannot satisfy. And therefore, it leads to us being the unsatisfied woman. Amen, somebody. Amen. Also, the love for the world leads to the unsatisfied woman. Or makes an unsatisfied woman. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. 2 Timothy, learn your Bible because that is the sword of the Spirit. Your kitchen knife is not a sword of the Spirit. Your hairpiece is not a sword of the Spirit. Your phone is not a sword of the Spirit. It is the word of God which is the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. I'm ending soon. <clears throat> For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica." First John 2:15 says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life." The pride of achievements, the pride of who you are, not in Christ, but in academia. One of my husband's lecturers in medical school said that I am so brilliant, when I die, my head should be preserved. Yeah. That's how people be- believe themselves. He said that my brain is so, I mean like, my intelligence is at another level. So when I die, they should find a way of preserving my brain what do you have that you did not receive so the love for this world also leads us to be unsatisfied when Jesus said to us that we should not love the world nor the things that are in the world and the reason why we love the world is because we are not heavenly minded first Timothy chapter 6 I'm running to the finishing end. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hmm, verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and unto many foolish and hateful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, but the love, <laughs> is the root of all evil. While, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many, many sorrows. Amen, somebody. Amen. I know that this topic is not popular, but I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to say that the Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, Set your affection on things that are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand side of God. When we read Luke 12, verse 15, it was very explicit in what it was saying. Luke 12, let me see, where am I? Luke 12, 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetousness is being unsatisfied with everything and always craving more and more and more and still not being satisfied. Amen. Of course, Jesus said, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that is." but that your life should just consist of your possessions. That's what life is about. Beloved Ogba, there's a heaven to be gained. There's a place where we will give account. And the Bible says, store not for yourself riches on earth where moth and rust and thieves Come and steal. Last year I had the unfortunate situation of losing my beloved son. Now, when my father died, my father (laughs) provided for us very, very well. And he provided so much that he provided for grandchildren who were not born. So I said to my husband, but how did my father know that one, I will marry? Number two, why did he think I will have children? Or all of us, like my siblings, how did he think like that? My, my husband said, I think your father was a prophet. <laughs> but as my son passed, I saw that all that my father left him has become worthless. And that really broke my heart. And not only that, It means that I have to now redraft and redistribute and re-whatever. And I just, at the time, I lost interest in all these earthly things. And I said, Lord, your word is really true. It's not the abundance of possessions. It's knowing you and pursuing you. This generation is very not heavenly minded. They are not going anywhere they are buying tickets to Amsterdam. They are buying tickets to Las Palmas. They are buying tickets to the La- Maldives. But they buy no tickets for eternity. Yeah. And you will always find out that God's word is true. Do you know people who live in mansions and have abundance of possessions and yet cry every night? I had a family friend who was married to a very rich man. And then the mother was telling me, Oh, the marriage is on the rocks, and this is the mother of the lady. So I said, Oh, but why? I thought that everything she said that, hmm. The man was very easy. This marriage is pork meat with the cane by it. When you eat, them, the came. When you eat, them, you cane. Amen. I don't know how to say it in Uganda. Prabconchai pork meat that are baking is by it. So you are eating the pork. You know pork is greasy and all that. You are eating it. She can, yehe. Aha. Aha. Amen. So the things of this world are down. It's time to reorient our our view and our desires and our destination. Amen. And build treasures in heaven. Amen, somebody. We become unsatisfied. The unsatisfied woman is somebody who is not spiritual. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Ah... 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 for we do not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise when God gives you a mandate instead of pursuing the mandate you are comparing you say oh These people, they win only two souls. Me, I always win five. So I'm okay. These people, they win only one soul. Me, I always win two. So I'm okay. Who told you that God's vision for you is what somebody is doing? Who told you that? God's vision for you is, oh, okay. You know, uh, everybody has deserted God like Elijah said. Everybody, no one is serving you. I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. Like God said, Really? I have 150 in a cave that you don't know about. So your measuring stick is not other people. Yes, you use other people to encourage yourself. But your measuring stick is God's measuring stick. What has God called you to? Usually you will know your assignment by the things you feel about, the things you you feel broken about, the things that draw you, the things that you, you, you feel drawn to solve, and then you are trying to be something else, you will be unsatisfied. You are not wise. Comparing yourself to yourself. Say, hey, me, my church is the mega church, so I have to really relax because, uh, you know, Lady Reverend, nobody can catch up with me. What is catch up? <laughs> what grace has God given you? The man with the two cities, God didn't whip him for making two more. The man with the five cities, God didn't whip him for making just five. Because God knows what he has given you. And he knows what he requires from you. Amen. So we need to measure things spiritually, ladies. Huh? Second Corinthians 2.13. Hmm. I'm ending, don't worry. second Corinthians? No. It's not second Corinthians two thirty. Forget about it. It's not that. Now. That's not what I'm talking about. Five minutes. Okay. So now Lady Reverend, you've talked about the unsatisfied woman. In all the ways that you should talk about. You know, we have to believe God's scripture. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God is not against you having good things. All these things that the Gentiles seek, it shall be added. Added unto you. Amen. Believe it. You see, many years ago, not so many years ago, we were invited to Los Angeles to a church there. We got to the church, (laughs) lovely church, service on, my husband preached, and then he made an altar call for those who want to serve God better, not just be Christians. So people started to come for it. Then the pastor was telling us, oh, that's Angela Bassett. Oh, that's uh, 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 Magic Johnson's wife. Oh, that's, um, oh, this man who, Denzel Washington. That's Denzel Washington's wife. Oh, that's, the church eh, is full of stars. (laughs) How come they felt a need to do more for God? They came forward saying, I want to wait for Jesus. And after that, we had breakfast face to face. I said, hey, Denzel Washington, man, from Collegono." I never prayed in my prayer topic that I want to dine with Denzel Washington. I want to eat with Angela Bassett. You know, what God will do for you, it cannot be in your prayer topic. It will blow your mind. Amen, ladies. But as you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be added. As if that wasn't enough, the pastor said to us, oh, uh, Bishop you know, somebody lives on Beverly Hills and uh, he's going away on holiday and has asked me to be turning off his lights on and off. He's my friend so we'll be going there. Yes, his friend. He said he's his neighbor. So he took us to a dinner at Beverly Hills. Well, I had eaten So I didn't feel so, and he said, listen to me, this place, this food is not cheap, and I'm not going to allow you to just be playing around the food. It's very expensive. Please try and eat up, eat up. So we ate, and then he was taking us to this, his neighbor, whose light he turns off, takes his meal, according to him and his wife. So we drove up Beverly Hills. There was Magic Johnson's house opposite. So they opened the house. Hey, it's not like a house. Oh, it's like a, a city.
1: <laughs>
2: so he said, oh, I'll show you round. And I'm like, hey, your friend's house, and you show us round anyway. So he started to show us around. The chandelier is more than half of this room. Hey, basketball pitch, glass. When you look down, you can see. Hey. Then the wife started laughing. It's actually our house. (laughs) Then she said, come with me. I just want you to see. So she took me to her walk-in closet. Oh, oh my goodness. It's more than a shop. (laughs) And she said that, you know, when I wear my clothes to church, then I, I date them and I take them to the back. Do you understand? So that you know that you have won them. And then in their denomination, they have to wear hats. So the hat room alone, the shelves, the portions of the hat, I mean, you will not believe it. Very, very, very beautiful. But the man has been in ministry for many years. So he said to us, you know, God is very faithful. I have not lived here all my life. But one day, an Iraqi came to see me that he's relocated to Iraq. This is the mansion that he's built. And he's given it to me at a subsidized rate so that I can buy it. That is how come Magic Johnson and Co are my neighbors. This is what God. You two, you are sitting here. Even in your prayer topic, Magic Johnson is not in. Angela Bassett, your small watcher joints and your whatever, you are busy and you've made God secondary, third, fourth in your life. This man, he didn't ask for it, but as he sought first the kingdom, things that he had not asked for, things that people crave for, God added unto him. And then when you go and he sits in his limousine and you say that, hey, people really enjoy you. Hey, ministry is at another level. That's why I was saying that you want the glory, but you don't want the story. beloved. it. We are thirsty for the Lord. He should be the first thing in our lives. The unsatisfied woman has to overcome all these ways of looking at life and begin to make Jesus the center of her life and see God add every other thing to you. Stand to your feet, please.
0: It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit at the Kodesh North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243 one eight seven nine zero zero. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.